Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half-hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by Brother Bartholomew Marie Calvano of our order, who is one of our deacons. Let's begin with a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So, uh, brother, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show of the uh, the meaning and purpose of the diaconate. Um, how long have you been a deacon now? Uh, about three months at this point. I was uh, ordained back in March. Yes, and so showing much mastery of it from what the things I see on the altar when you serve with me. So, mm-hmm. so uh, uh, what's your reaction? This is your first uh, your first reception of the sacrament of holy orders, you know, mm-hmm. of the uh, of dominical institution, of the institution by the Lord, mm-hmm. deacon, priest, uh, and bishop. So um, how would you divide your, how do you think of your ministry? How do you think of your new office? And uh, maybe I suppose as good Dominicans, we should make a division of the topic. Yes. Yes. So it's a, being a deacon has been a great blessing. Um, it's, it's uh, it's been noticeably distinct from having been instituted earlier as a lector and an acolyte. Um, the diaconate, as you mentioned, is a grade of holy orders, and as such, um, it does share in some way in the the the, the priesthood of Christ in a in a new way um, that uh, not before. And the diaconate, in particular, is called to the service of the word, service of the altar, and the service of charity. So these three areas are where the the deacon is called to service in the church. In Eastern theology, um, the deacon has an interesting role in the liturgy, in the Byzantine liturgy. I'm by ritual with the Melkites, but with the uh, Melkite church. So uh, the bishop is often represents, you know, the father and the father's will. Uh, You have uh, the the priest uh, operating, um, calling down the Holy Spirit, the deacon is interesting. It's it's. Uh, so I've heard theologies on this where it compares the de- the work of the deacon, which is half in the sanctuary and half with the people, mm-hmm. especially in the Byzantine rite, uh, to be like the ministry of Jesus Christ Himself, who left heaven uh, to serve among us on earth and then returns to heaven again, mm-hmm. much as the deacon does in the Byzantine liturgy. Yeah. But I think Western theology would would uh, divide things a little differently. Yes, uh, I mean there there's certainly an aspect of that in that the the deacon is meant to be uh, between the the priest and the people, and uh, you see that uh, especially uh, in the service of the altar at the altar, where when you have the the altar servers or the the acolytes, they give everything to the deacon, and then the deacon brings it to the altar mm-hmm. or hands it to the priest. Uh, so. Obviously, that doesn't happen when there's no deacon there. But when there is a deacon there, he has a very particular role of bringing the the gifts of the people of God, the needs of the people of God, 
forward uh, to the sanctuary and to the altar and handing them over to the priest. He also is a servant of the word, mm-hmm. uh, making the mission of Christ in the Gospels present to the congregation by his proclamation of the Gospel. Yes. Uh, so, th- yeah, you can see these uh, this kind of thing. Another way would be Christ stands as our high priest, interceding for us before the Father's right hand, and the deacon leads the people in prayer. Yes, uh, the, the deacon leads the people in prayer. He gives them instructions throughout the, the Mass, whether to sit, stand, kneel, bow your heads, uh, those sorts of instructions. But he also, uh, the, the general intercessions, the, the prayers of the faithful belong in a special way uh, to the proclamation of the deacon. And that actually relates both to the ministry of the Word, but also to the ministry of charity. Because the, the reason that the deacon uh, is assigned this role is because the deacon is the one who's supposed to uh, know the community on that individual, personal level. The, the reason that the, the deacons were instituted in the first place in the Acts of the Apostles was so that the, the priest would have more time for the service of the word, um, for the, the preaching of the gospel, um, and not for the, the kind of waiting on tables. So this is precisely, of course, what the apostles say yes. in the institution of the deacons in chapter 6 of the, of, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Yes. And so the deacon has that, that role of, in a, in a way, organizing the, the works of mercy of the church and going out and uh, knowing the, the needs of the people. And so to, to pray the, the prayers of the faithful, the general intercessions, and ask God for what the community needs is uh, a particular role of the deacon because he should know best of anyone in the community uh, what it is that the, the people need in this moment, uh, practically speaking. There's a sense, I think, uh, sitting in, in the alt- on the altar as a priest that I notice that the deacon's ministry tends to be uh, a very active compared to my own, especially if I have a deacon on the altar. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I really do notice that as uh, when I have a deacon on the altar, it's much easier for the priest to devote himself to, un- to a focused prayer. Um, I notice this not only uh, as I don't have to worry about things like setting up the altar, but I can prepare my mind to approach the altar and call down the Holy Spirit upon the offerings. But also when I've made my own communion, when um, I'm when everybody else has received the holy body, blood, and soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. And then, instead of going to the altar to, if you don't mind the expression, do the dishes, I go and sit at my place, and the deacon does that work for me. You know, God bless you. Because it is, those are precious moments when one has first received the, sac- the uh, sacrament of Christ's presence and then has an opportunity uh, in that moment you know, uh, to approach him in prayer, you know, strike him, he will, while they are inside. Yes, and I, I think that certainly adds a certain solemnity to the Mass, uh, where the, the priest is able to uh, sit then in silence and collect himself in prayer and lead the people in prayer as the, the deacon is then uh, ministering to the, the altar and the, the sacred vessels and taking care of them and preparing them and... Uh, and and uh, also uh, uh, purifying them afterwards and uh, preparing them for the the next Mass as well. Uh, so I think that that does help the the people to uh, to see the, the the priest as the the 
the model of prayer for them as they have received the sacrament then. Mm-hmm. I think another interesting thing is the effect this has on the world's approach to deacons, and I, I'm not sure we appreciate that much, but one thing that's always struck me about the saints who are deacons is that they are frequently targeted by the secular power, by the worldly power, precisely because, precisely because they are in charge of the church's goods and temporalities, you know, that they know where the sacred vessels are. You know, if you're looking for the, you know, to destroy the memory of the church, then you're looking for Bibles and missiles to burn, and the deacons will know where those things are. Yep. So you, uh, you see this definitely with St. Lawrence. Um, oh, the, I love St. Lawrence. The, that, Hilarious. That fantastic story of they, they come and they're, they're seeking the, the treasures of this church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, St. Lawrence knows this is happening. So You want the treasures? I'll show you the treasures. Yes. <laughs> Which he has just given away to the poor. Right. Um, and so he brings, he brings the, the, the soldiers uh, to the church and he shows them the people. The, the treasures the of the, the poor, church, the, the poor, beggars, yeah. the poor, the those beggars. are in need. Yes, and those are the treasures of the church. Um, Very funny. <laughs> so, and they sat down to really grill them afterwards. Yes. Mm-hmm. So to speak. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think. There's some others we could talk about. Um, maybe... Uh, you know, Cosmos and Damien were Arabs. Uh, they were deacons yes. and doctors. Yes. And part of the work they did was in the service of the poor, um, in, the, in, the med- in the medical care they provided, and in the miracles that God worked through them by their charity. So I think these are uh, – uh, we might think of a couple of the other deacon saints too. Yes, um, certainly. I mean – Saint Saint Francis uh, is oh, Francis of Assisi is a good one, but let us hold for statistician identification. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at Saint Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Brother Bartholomew Marie Calvano, who is one of our deacons. We've been discussing the role and meaning of the deacon in the life of Holy Church and in the lives of saints. But you were going on, brother, about St. Francis. Yes, Saint, so St. Francis, as many of you know, was uh, ordained a deacon uh, so that he would have the, the ability to preach the word um, with, uh, with the uh, authority of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, so that he wasn't just some uh, kind of loose canon going throughout. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, it also puts him under the authority of a bishop. That's yes. right. <laughs> um, so in a way, I think the, the Franciscans, uh, looking at the Franciscan order is an excellent way of looking at the, the diaconal role, that the, the life of the Franciscans models much of what the, the deacon is supposed to do, um, in that uh, the, you see the, the great care for the poor the Franciscans have, the, the love of poverty, the love of the poor, um, and they seek to, to go among the poor to care for them. Uh, also, uh, St. Francis loved, loved poverty, but he also took great care of liturgical vestments. He, he wanted to make sure that all of the, everything that was used in the liturgy was well taken care of, well kept, um, even though uh, your, your, his home, uh, his, his habit— all, all the things he used daily were in 
poor repair or uh, of low Infer- quality. Yeah, poor quality. Yeah. Low quality. Um, he wanted to, to make sure that God had uh, what, was, what was belonging to him and what was uh, appropriate to his worship. That earthly glory should reflect in some small way the glory of God in his majesty, divine majesty. Uh, and that for that reason, you know, things should be clean and mm-hmm. mended and in good condition. Yes. Um, there's, um, there's other services deacons have provided in the course of the church. I think one that's overlooked sometimes is as representatives of bishops, when the bishops for one reason cannot go to a place. So um, this is particularly true of the pope. Mm-hmm. and his deacons, the deacons of Rome, because they have been enlisted at various times of the church to represent the Holy Father personally at synods of bishops and even ecumenical councils. Yes, yeah, traditionally the the, the deacon is much close, more closely united to the bishop than he is to the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's kind of a, a double structure where it's the, the bishop uh, is at the top and then the the priests are coming off one side and the deacon are coming off the other in that respect rather than bishop, priest, deacon. Um, the pyramid it, shape. Yes. Right. So um, the the deacons are assigned by the, the bishop to whatever parishes they're at. Um, currently. Currently, yes. That, that's how that, that works. So it's not as if the... You you go and you you uh, become a deacon for a priest. You're still a deacon for the diocese right. that you're in. Yeah, for the for the bishop, I would say. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. the old structure of the diocese of Roman patristic times traditionally was one bishop, the pope, and then seven deacons and seventy priests. Mm-hmm. So the priests would take care of local congregations, provide, uh, you know, provide the provide preaching and the service of the uh, of the Eucharist mm-hmm. to the various congregations around the city of Rome, but the seven deacons would be um, serving uh, at the Pope's behest of one place or another. So as you say, they weren't assigned to parishes. They really were run out of the the bishop's house. I've wondered sometimes if, uh, for permanent deacons, if this would not be a, an, uh, an interesting way to approach um, church administration. In other words, leave the priests to do the things that they were set aside for at ordination, the sacred things, the sacred duties, especially preaching and the service of the sacraments. But to uh, allow the deacons, maybe, if again, you get proper training and so forth, to do the administration of parishes and so forth, I certainly would be happy to see you know less paperwork on my desk. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, you've mentioned permanent deacons, and I think I, I mentioned them as well. I should clarify that I'm a transitional deacon at the moment. By the so, help of God. Uh, yes, with the help of God. That uh, I will, God willing, uh, later uh, in in May actually be uh, ordained a priest. Mm-hmm. So um, there's there's a bit the the ordination is the same for a permanent and a transitional deacon. The the holy order that you receive is the same. You, you're entered into the same order of diaconate. Um, but there is, uh, I think, a distinction between the two of them because of the, the intention of, of either becoming a priest or not. I think this is most clearly seen in that uh, service of charity, that the transitional deacon 
uh, doesn't have quite as much time to get to know the community where he's at. He's off. For example, I'm still in studies uh, at the moment, right? So I have to spend a lot of my time studying to be a priest still. Um, so I don't have as much time to devote to the the community where I'm a deacon at as uh, a permanent deacon would. Uh, hopefully be able to do over the course of several years uh, getting to know the community and the people there. And so I think the, the permanent deacons can have a real, uh, a, a real, uh, a real uh, apostolate uh, in, that, in that service of charity to the community that uh, the, the transitional deacon only gets a taste of, um, which uh, – God willing, transfers into his care of the community as a priest. Um, yes, that's right. Um, yeah, so for us uh, as Dominicans, uh, I, we very rarely have had uh, deacons who weren't transitional, and that was, I think it was only a couple of people right after the council, and then that was experimented with and found not to not to have a future. The uh, with deacons, of course, the permanent deacons, uh, we I think we tend to think of them as married deacons, which isn't necessarily true. Um, married men may become, in, uh, with the permission of the bishop, may be ordained presently, but once you're ordained, uh, you can't marry. Mm-hmm. So you either have a commitment to a vow of celibacy before you're ordained deacon, or you commit to marriage, and that means... Um, you know, which your wife also has to agree to <laughs> to your ordination, but uh, but uh, because it's so difficult and can be so difficult, as you say, mm-hmm. uh, the the needs of charity, the service of charity is uh, can drown you, and um, I think it's uh, for the reason that some of the strongest proponents of uh, priestly celibacy I know are the wives of married deacons. Now, Father Stephen Dominic, do you remember your diaconate at all? I remember. I remember, let's see, that was a long time ago. I do remember the ordination, okay. and, uh, which was wonderful. Uh, I, I, and then the, the service I had, um, of course, when those, it was at the House of Studies for the most part. And it, you, know, you learned new sides of the rubrics. You started take, learning how to take care of sacred vessels. You started dealing with problems you hadn't had to deal before. Mm-hmm. Like what do you do with... Uh, crumbs of the, of the Holy Eucharist. How do you purify those, as is said? And, and those are small things. Sometimes you have to think on your feet. I remember there was one time, I didn't have to make the decision, thanks be to God, because we had a house liturgist. But what do you do when, as really happened in my presence once, the, uh, the light bulbs in the chandelier burst due to a power surge and cover the entire altar with broken glass, okay. including... The uh, the sacred species which have been offered to God but not yet consecrated. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so how do you take care of that? I remember that the priest involved, you know, typical Dominican, you know, uh, you know, looked at the shattered glass and then reverently, apparently breaking his consecration, returned to the prayer before he was stopped by one of the priests. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we had to clear all the glass, all the everything out, put it. It wasn't consecrated, but yes. they did uh, they did dissolve it. 
mm-hmm. and arranged it to put it down the sacrarum, the dry sink that leads in the ground once it ceased to be bread. You know, they basically treated it as if it was the Blessed Sacrament. We had to clear the altar, of course, and clear it of the broken glass as well as the uh, the the wine and mm-hmm. and bread which had been offered because it's it's offered to God. It's sort of in that yes. odd intermediary state, and uh, and then we started over from the beginning at the offertory, which is what was called for. But it's these kind of things that you mm-hmm. end up uh, experiencing, fine down, or paying attention to. Yes, and I think uh, I've I've certainly had uh, maybe not that exact experience, <laughs> but. Uh, these opportunities to really grow in reverence uh, for the the liturgy, the the mass in particular, um, to to come to know the rubrics and the guidance of Holy Mother Church and how mm-hmm. we how we treat the the sacred vessels, the sacred species, how we uh, are to handle it, um, and coming to 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 a deeper reverence through the, the our clo- the close association with. Um, these the with these holy holy things, um, and then of course there are the sacraments that you get to do. Absolutely, yes. So baptism, for instance, yes, um, and then the handling the Eucharist and things like bened- uh, Eucharistic Eucharistic exposition and benediction. Absolutely, yes, and uh, also weddings as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's that the opportunity to be an ordinary minister of of these uh, these sacraments. Uh, where um, the the church uh, has given you authority to dispense uh, these these sacraments in uh, the regular life of the people, and so you are able to uh, to be a participant, an instrument of God's sanctification for for His people. It even changes, I think, your family. For instance, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I did in my diaconate year was. I was the minister of marriage between my brother Michael and his bride, mm-hmm. Lori. And at that time, Lori wasn't a Catholic, so we couldn't have had a, a mass anyway. But um, but I, you know they they got uh, married in San Francisco, which was she was from Hawaii, he was from Boston, so that was sort of the midpoint where they were working anyway. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it was a very interesting thing because, especially, I don't know about you, but I, I find my, I found myself a little, oh, nervous about the details, making sure I got everything right, making sure that the, the uh, liturgical forms are absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be a little nerve wracking at first, but it's, it's a slow, it's a slow slope, I think, to then get ready if you're a transitional deacon for the service of what you'll have to learn and know in the priesthood. Which is, I think, that year's uh, the first year priest with a st- steeper learning curve. Yes, yeah. I mean, certainly that that idea of becoming acclimated to uh, the, the the rubrics and getting to know. So the having some responsibility, but also it's it's only a little bit of what the priest does. So yeah, and there's also mm-hmm. I think the note of being set aside as a sacred person. Mm-hmm. Like w- you know if you're wearing a collar or you're wearing a habit, you know, if you're a deacon or a priest, then you are you are have been set aside by God for his sacred purposes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's um you really can't undo that. No. You you can be have your faculties removed, you can be you know sent back they say to the you know, to the lay state, but in fact, you remain a priest forever, yes, and a deacon forever. Yeah, there there is a character that comes with the sacrament, right? So, and, that is and indelible. indelible. Is that a baptism or confirmation? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Yeah. And I mean, one, one of the, one of the things that, that struck me then is the, the, the difference in, uh, your, your being a, a public person of the church. Uh, mm-hmm. right. as a Dominican, I was already that to some extent, because when you wear the habit, everyone knows. It's hard not to notice. Yeah. Every, everyone knows that you, you belong to God somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but as, as a deacon up there on, on the altar, um, there's uh there's the the recognition that everything that i'm doing uh is uh somehow either uh adding to or detracting from uh mm-hmm. god's glory in this mass um and that uh the the better that i uh the better i comport myself the the mm-hmm. better that the more reverence i show the 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 greater ability i have to in, improve the disposition of those who who are there mm-hmm. uh when they come to receive the the sacrament that i i in my uh reverencing of the sacred species of the the eucharist um uh on the altar can help others to uh realize communicate uh, that reverence yeah communicate that reverence yeah. absolutely i think maybe the last thing we should say before we run out of time is the uh, this is also the year for transitional deacons uh, that you learn how to preach liturgically. Yes, you know, and uh, I'm actually I suppose that's probably true for the for the uh, permanent deacon as well. But well, the, but the to stand up in the in the pulpit and then break open the loaf of scripture for the people hearing you, uh, and that is uh, that's the beginning, of course, of our. Our life as as preaching friars liturgically, you know. Since uh, I mean, I think in the a lot of the old days, and still, you know, the deacon can read the bishop's sermon, and that's that works. If if you if you if you don't have the talent, but for us, I think it's a crucial year because this mm-hmm. is when we get the opportunity of actually practicing how to preach, and that means um, you know to find out what the Lord wants us to say first of all. Which means a lively prayer life mm-hmm. about this, but also then, you know, um, how do you enter into the text? How do you confront the text? What is the crisis the text provokes in you for the sake of the people? Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what what's your experience of these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the experience of preaching and really uh, needing to to stick close to the Word of God because there's the temptation to to speak from just your own experience like you read mm-hmm. you read the word of god and it triggers something and then you want to speak from that or out of your books but, or out of your books yeah. but to really keep close to the word of god and then to to know who you're preaching to and to know how the word of god applies to them mm-hmm. thank you for joining us today for the dominican dimensions my name is father stephen dominic hayes and i'm a friar at saint patrick prior in columbus today i've been enjoying i've been joined by the studio I'm sorry. Today I've been joined in the studio by Brother Bartholomew Marie Calvano. Let's end in prayer invoking the intercession of our Holy Father, St. Dominic. O light of the Church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom. Preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.